Welcome to the Braving the Waves and Bridging the Gap podcast, stories of unsinkable resilience and resolving stigma. I'm your host, Michaela, and each week we explore stories with young people in our communities. You'll leave with a refreshing take on storytelling that will encourage you to venture deeper into and perhaps share your own story. Thank you so much for listening. That's a step in and of itself and enjoy this week's episode. This week, I speak with Angelica Galuzzo, a mental health advocate, TEDx speaker, safe talk trainer, and podcast host of The Revolutionized Mind. After battling depression and suicidal ideation for many years, she became passionate about making an impact, using her voice to create positive change and normalizing the struggles that many of us go through. Angelica graduated with an honor specialization in psychology at Western University and has also completed her Safe Talk, Assist, and Mental Health First Aid certifications. She currently works full-time for Jack.org, a national charity that focuses on improving youth mental health and dismantling barriers such as stigma, accesses to resources, and more. Additionally, Angelica spent 15 years of her life as an elite athlete. Her most notable achievements include winning two provincial championships, two national championships, and earning a scholarship to a Division I school in the United States. Through this experience, she's learned a great deal about dealing with adversity, working with others, and extending these lessons to life outside of sport. She loves the quote, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, even if you can't see it right now. In this episode, we reflect on the ebbs and flows of your mental health journey, appreciating a moment, making space for anger, and we unpack the notion of everything happens for a reason. You won't want to miss this episode. Enjoy. Well, welcome to our podcast. I'm honestly like so excited to chat with you. And like we were just saying um, before we started recording, um, a lot in common, both played division one sports, um, struggled a lot with suicide and self-harm and all of those things. So very, very excited to have you and to just chat more about your story. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And it's like sad that we can relate on those things because they are are such dark and scary things. Um, But it definitely brings people together. So I'm excited to share and hopefully inspire other people to share as well. Amazing. Well, I would love to start kind of similar ugh, words, similarly to how we started with some of our other guests, which is the six word story. And I think it's such an interesting way to think about trying to package our stories into six words, but if we can make it pack a punch, I think it's just a really valuable thing for people to take away as listeners. So I would love to hear if you could tell your story in six words, what would they be and why? First of all, this was a really hard activity. It took me quite a bit of time to like narrow it down, um, but it definitely is powerful to pick out the key pieces that you want to highlight. So I kind of went two different directions. I have two. Um, The first one I chose is actually the same thing I titled my TEDx talk, which is learning to live with clinical depression. Hmm. That's good. And that's amazing that that actually fits in six words too. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me more. Yeah. So I chose that because I feel like my journey with depression is such a big part of me and has honestly impacted 
so much of my well-being on all the levels. And it really was such a crucial part of my life while I was going through those developmental teenage years and honestly has stuck with me ever since. So I like to frame it as like learning to live with it because clinical depression is the mental illness that I am diagnosed with. It's something that it wasn't just a phase. It wasn't just something I went through in the past. It's something I still do live with and it's ongoing. So learning to live with it is kind of just that like acknowledgement and acceptance piece, knowing that it's here. It sucks sometimes, but this is how I learn to deal with it. This is how I still show up in the world every day. And truthfully, it kind of is what I like went into in my TEDx talk, kind of breaking down some of those steps and things that I've learned based on my own personal journey and what works the best for me. No, that's really powerful. And I love the way that it's this continuation and learning to live with it and walk alongside it almost because you're so right. It doesn't, it doesn't go away. There are definitely periods of time where it's lifted and you have better times than others. And sometimes you're able to even manage it a little bit better than others. Um, but it's always there. And I think giving it words like you've just done, isn't necessarily a one-way door into like, oh, I've fixed everything now that I totally understand <laughs> what mm -hmm. happened and what I've been through because it comes with you no matter where you go. Yeah, absolutely. And I always like to add like a little caveat saying that like, I'm not cured. I'm not like, this is how I live with it and I'm fine. Um, yeah. I definitely still do have those really dark days. And I think that just goes with like the ebbs and flows of life. Like you're going to have some mm -hmm. really crappy days and some days are going to be the best days of your life. So it really is a process of like learning what your own mental health journey looks like because it is so subjective to each individual person um, and then dealing with like life as it comes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I would even add to like for us as advocates in kind of this space or even just anyone working in mental health care who has lived experience, like kind of acknowledging that, you know, just because you're able to speak about it a little bit more publicly also doesn't mean it's not there um, and that there are days when we need to take a step back from that role and take care of ourselves because that's how we can best care for others also um, and create these spaces and conversations that we do. Absolutely. That break yeah. and being transparent about when you need the break because of X, Y, Z, whatever's going on with you, I think also just encourages others being like, hey, this public advocate is taking a step back for their mental health. Like maybe I can do the same. And I think there's a lot of power to that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I also asked you to fill in that little poem of sorts, fill in the blanks. <laughs> I'm not really sure what to call it yet, but maybe I'll call it something. But we'd love to hear what you wrote for that. I'm not sure you said you had two things. Did you have two six-word stories or are you meaning the two? like Two six-word stories. You had two six-word stories. Okay, so let's mm -hmm. do the second one of those first. Um, so the second one was overcoming adversity and finding my purpose. Um, so this one really talked about some more of my athletic journey and the injuries that I went through. Um, so to kind of bubble that down, I had five knee surgeries in five years, which was horrible. But I think because my situation was so unique, I tried to look at it in all these different perspectives. And that's kind of what my like little poem thing gets into explaining what I learned from that. But I liked bubbling it down into like 
overcoming adversity because, you know, I was presented with these things that sucked in the moment, but then like it kind of led me into finding my purpose. So it's hard to be mad about those things if it put me in the position that I am today. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's reminding me of that notion that as difficult as it is, pain and gratitude very much coexist Mm -hmm. and they're in the same space often a lot. (laughs) And it's really, really difficult to see in the moment, but I'm so glad that looking back, you're able to reflect on it in that way. And obviously I can't imagine going through that many surgeries. And also I know you've written and spoken about wrestling with your identity as an athlete, kind of going through that time. Um, But I'm glad you're able to see like how it has brought you to today and what you've learned and experienced since then. So that was really good to hear. Mm -hmm. Hindsight 2020 is so real. I like need to find a way that we can all appreciate the moment while we're in it instead of going through it and then looking back. That's like something I hear all the time on my podcast as well. It's always, you know, people go through these really tough times and it sucks for a while. And then years down the road, they look back and they're like, oh, wow, I grew so much from that situation. That thing taught Mm -hmm. me so much. And I think it's so important that we feel those things during those dark times and we learn to evolve and adapt. But sometimes it does take a little bit too long to find that lesson or that meaning um, because I think it really helps set like our mindset for whatever journey we're walking on. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's a lot of power in being able to pause in a moment and wondering what is this going to show me or what does this have the potential to teach me? And sometimes like there isn't space for that. You really just got to feel what's coming up and be like this sucks this is shit (laughs) and that's okay too but yeah being more present in those moments as they're happening especially the painful moments and when you're feeling all the emotions associated with that so so hard but something we can I think everybody collectively can get better at Mm -hmm. and that like pain that anger like it's totally okay to be mad when those things happened I mean each time I got hurt my first emotion was anger it was like why me I was asking all like the super hard questions and I was kind of giving myself that space to feel things I think that's something that I really do give myself credit for is that I allowed myself to like go through the whole emotional journey before Mm -hmm. I really like locked in and I was like okay this happened I can't change it here we are what can I do now that I'm in this situation and how I kind of frame it is like just making the most out of the hand that you've been dealt because so much of what happens to us is outside of our control. We really can't change things that have happened. Um, So it's really just putting your best foot forward and attacking it day by day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, yeah, that's, (laughs) I think maybe one of the perks of playing sports, you get to, that's somewhat ingrained into your head of like, okay, there are things that happen in a game that you have absolutely zero control over. And as uh, frustrating and toxic as sports were at times, there are some, uh, some valuable things I think that came from it in terms of, yeah, mindset and how you move on from things and what to take with you, whatnot, and, and that kind of a thing. So Lots of transferable skills there for sure. Lots of transferable skills. Lots of, (laughs) hmm. (laughs) what word should I use? (laughs) 
<laughs> tough things for sure. Um, yeah. But definitely learned a lot. Yeah. From playing sports. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Moving into your poem. I'm going to have to just call it that for now because I don't have a better word, <laughs> but would love to hear what you wrote for those lines. Um, kind of, yeah. Transitioning from your two six word stories. Okay. Um, so the first one, so this was learning to live with clinical depression. Do you want me to read through the whole thing? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So I braved the waves when I was heavily struggling with depression, suicidal ideation, and self-harm. And then I realized that my story bridged a gap when I stopped suffering in silence and changed my mindset around how my mental illness showed up in my life. So now I share my resilience because I know how it feels to be in that dark headspace and I want to help others get out of it. I am unsinkable because I have faced different levels of adversity throughout my life and I've always made it out on the other side stronger. And I resolve stigma by sharing my story, creating a safe space for others and dedicating my personal and professional life to talking about all things mental health. Mm, that's good how does it, how did it feel to, to write that and to share it and yeah, connecting it back to your story? Yeah. It was hard. It was actually a very difficult activity for me. I found it hard to like really summarize those pieces, but after I did it, I was like, wow, that's powerful. Like really, I think you, you and your team hit like the points that really make a story a story. Um, so I really like the activity. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, or it's always been interesting to me when you're thinking about your story and how to, how to tell it and put it into words, like, cause there's so many different ways to go about it, right? Like you've shared it mm -hmm. or shared your story in audio and in a longer format with unsinkable and then trying to put it into like a wallet photo kind of version that people can take with them and that you can carry too, I think is a really interesting concept. So for everyone listening, this is a, <laughs> this is a work in progress, but <laughs> I can figure out different, different ways to share and talk about your story and have it resonate with, with people in a way that they can really kind of take it with them. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's really powerful because I mean, people's stories are so dynamic. And I mean, for me personally, like my one story can go in like eight different directions, depending on which topic I decide to focus on. Mm -hmm. um, so I think as the storyteller, you can really pick what theme or message you want to highlight today. Like that could be different for me tomorrow. Um, so I think yeah. it's just, it's interesting to do as a storyteller and then for the person listening to hear that one key message that the person's trying to get across. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Second one. Would love to hear your second one. And I also just love that you did too. Like <laughs> it goes back to like, my story is so, I can take it in so many different directions. And I think these two are like the two biggest things that contribute to like my yeah. mental health journey. So I had to do both. <laughs> okay. Second one. So this is overcoming adversity and finding my purpose. Um, I braved the waves when I went through five major knee surgeries in five years. And then I realized that my story bridged a gap when this adversity taught me more about myself and the world around me and that I could replicate these lessons in other aspects of my life. 
So now I share my resilience because when I was going through it, it felt like my life was over and everything I had worked so hard for was just gone. But I truthfully gained so much from these experiences and I wouldn't be in the position that I am today without having gone through them. I am unsinkable because I was faced with some really unfortunate situations and I use them as opportunities to learn, grow and thrive in life outside of sport. And I resolve stigma by sharing my story, talking about athlete mental health, and hopefully inspiring others through their recoveries. Mm. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to all of this again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. And I'm curious too, because that one touches a little bit more on the identity piece, um, mm -hmm. how that felt to put those words together and then to say them just now tough. Athletic identity is such a complex topic and something I've grappled with my whole life. Um, I talk about a lot like when I was younger, I was the kid who was so incredibly motivated. Like every day after school, I was out practicing touches, doing keep ups, kicking the ball against the wall. Like I was just so internally motivated to like reach the next level. So when these injuries and these things started happening to me, I was like, oh my God, like if I don't have mm -hmm. soccer, what am I? I was always Angelica, the soccer player. I was always striving to go D1, to reach the next accolade, whatever it was. Um, so it really forced me to like look at myself as a person and not an athlete. And I know we're like hearing more and more of that now. Um, but truthfully, like if I were to underline it, it would be learning that I am a person or what's the quote? You can't take the person out of the athlete or something like that do you know Ooh. what I'm talking about I maybe <laughs> I'm trying to something think. like that it's something along those lines yeah yeah um but yeah really just showing me that like these lessons and these things that I'm going through in relation to soccer those things are really like what I applied to my mental health journey to learning to live with my depression to just overcoming everyday battles and again looking back hindsight like I am really grateful for what I went through, although it was so hard and so horrible. Um, it did teach me everything that I know today, and I would not be here talking to you if I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, for sure. I I can't tell you how much that <laughs> that resonates with me and and my story too. And just yeah, athlete identity is wild, especially if you start playing at a really, really young age, um, because it just, it latches on like, and you put, uh, I mean, you end up putting everything you have into your sport, which is an amazing thing, but also can be dangerous if you don't have that balance. Um, I know even for me, after I graduated, I, everything I did mental health wise was very much centered around athletes. And I kind of got myself funneled into advocating just kind of in that sphere because I thought it has to be connected to athletics in some capacity because that's my identity and that's how I know who I am. And I very much struggled to do things outside of that. So I'm curious um, if you had any similar kind of experiences along those lines too, like advocating for mental health like specifically for athletes versus just generally and like figuring out what were those other pieces of yourself that were completely unrelated to sports 
That's really funny that you said that because I went the opposite way. When Mm -hmm. I started my podcast, when I started advocating, I wanted to keep it so general that it applied to like the community. I knew like I had a lot of personal athletic mental health related things, um, but I was very careful at the beginning to only talk about those things online because I didn't want to create a community of just athletes. Mm. For me, like I think that was a time in my life when I was slowly learning to separate who I was from my athletic identity, which was truly like such a hard thing to do but that's kind of what forced me into like looking at it from a community mental health perspective and then I can weave in parts of my story of course because that's who I am and what brought me here Um, Mm. but I really did try to keep it general Um, but I will always say like soccer is in the deepest part of my heart like I will never let that part go I'm still very involved in sports and the athlete mental health side of things I just with my personal platform I really wanted to keep it like broader where more people could reach um, that level of understanding and I didn't want to just attract athletes yeah that's amazing yeah and I I mean will learn from you I'm sure (laughs) as I continue kind of following what you're what you're up to and what you're working on um, because that's yeah really important because I definitely was like very hung up in my own identity and like trying not to let go of that um and it was very weird I have to say because I was putting it under the umbrella of like oh I'm doing other things like I'm doing mental health advocacy and writing a lot and speaking and doing all of this stuff which not to say that it wasn't bad or that it was bad but very much under that umbrella of athletes because I was so afraid to do things that were not tied to being an athlete so yeah yeah you spend so many freaking hours growing up especially Mm -hmm. at that level devoting everything of your life to being an athlete it is hard to separate yourself from that and you like your ego just kind of becomes intertwined with who you are as an athlete and that's not a bad thing but you need to kind of learn to separate. I mean, the harsh reality of athletics is everybody will retire at some point. You will have to let go of that level. Um, For some people, it's like much sooner. Maybe it's an injury. They were forced out of their sport and that's like a different thing to grasp. But it's such a challenge learning to like walk in the world without saying like, hi, I'm Michaela, an athlete. It's, Mm -hmm. It's such a different feeling from when you're spending countless hours training and you are the the basketball player you are this person um to just being a person who's an advocate who's working who's has so many different identities and I think identities can be dynamic as well they can ebb and flow as we ebb and flow like you can kind of take up different interests and things that create your identity but again it's a process (laughs) (laughs) it definitely is work in progress (laughs) so always learning and I'm definitely learning from you and everything that you just shared too. So very helpful. I'm like going to just absorb all. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Amazing. Well, pivoting a little bit, um, you've just shared so much about your story and, and been vulnerable and I mean, podcast writing here today, everything. And I am curious. I love asking this question to everybody because It's a tough one, but I'm curious if you think of your biggest supporters in your life, the people who 
have really just had your back the whole time. What do you think they would say um, to celebrate you and everything that you've done and shared and advocated for? This was hard to think about because it's kind of like tooting your own horn or like looking at yourself and like trying to brag about everything I've been through. Um, But something I hear all the time is definitely around my like resiliency, how I've kind of been faced with unfortunate things and overcame them on different levels. Um, And then also like bravery with speaking about mental health, which this one's a little bit iffy for me because for me, like it's, it's just showing up as who I am. It's not necessarily me like doing all these tough, super hard things. It's just a part of my life. So I think people would definitely look at me and celebrate me for the things I've overcome, uh, just getting in the position that I am today, given everything that I went through, both with sports and mental health and just life. Yeah. I don't know. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a tough question to answer. And, but I also think it's important because we forget sometimes the impact that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very easy to, to forget to celebrate ourselves in that and have that be okay. Cause I think anytime you're in a role where you're giving and sharing and supporting and kind of in that position of, yeah, just offering so much, you forget to say and recognize like, wow, I'm actually reaching people and what I do matters and actually saying that to yourself and thinking about the people who say that about you. So I think that's really, really powerful. And it's not bragging, although I can understand it definitely feels like that. That's definitely very sweet. I think we all need that reminder sometimes. Um, I feel like when you're in this space, you're kind of just like, go, go, go on to the next. What else can I share? What else can I do? Um, Mm -hmm. But I think taking that moment to reflect and like pat yourself on the back is so important just for like longevity. Like you can't keep going. You need a break. It's okay to like celebrate the small wins. So thank you for that. I think I needed that today. (laughs) I am glad. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and just to think about, you know, what other people see maybe that we don't, it's very mm-hmm. hard to see certain things within ourselves that, that others see. And like, I get always stuck in my like logical brain of like, oh, I know that. But then just like compartmentalizing and being like, yeah, no, but it still feels like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> still I feel feels that. weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. amazing well I also wanted to ask I know like kind of in the spirit of what we were just talking about giving 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 if there is any anybody or um, whether it's like a writer or song lyrics or like anything along those lines that have inspired you or helped kind of guide your journey um I think mostly just to like getting to the point of sharing your story. Cause I know that was definitely Mm -hmm. a difficult piece for me is like getting to that point of, okay, I'm actually going to generate language for this now and talk about it. Um, and had lots of inspiration along the way. So I'd love to hear what, what inspired you or what helped you through that or to that point. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of like 
I don't know, influencers, writers, people out there that I've just followed and have been so inspired by their openness and authenticity. Um, the first one being Glennon Doyle. She's an author and she's married to Abby Wambach, who's the greatest woman soccer player. And I read her book, Untamed, a few years ago. And honestly, when I read it, like my whole world flips upside down. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I need to do this. Um, and I think it was just her vulnerability and sharing like her deepest, darkest things that she's went through in such a calming light. Like Glennon's just mm -hmm. very calm in her approach. Um, I just really relate to her and like how she shows up in the world. I watch their videos all the time and crack up like it's I just love them um so she definitely inspired me at the beginning to just share your story be untamed like just live your own crazy world whatever that looks like to you like that really spoke to me um and then there's other like current people so there's Victoria Brown on Instagram I think you know her from the hidden opponent she is like mm -hmm who I want to be when I grow up. Um, Mick Zazon has like really inspired me with body image stuff. I struggled with that as well. So I think, I mean, influencers get like a bad rep in general, but I have followed these people for so long and I feel like I have gained so much just from watching them post and grow. And I think there's a lot of power to that. Um, but then there's also like the one quote that, has stuck with me. I know some people hate this, but it's just simply like everything happens for a reason. Um, I think that one line has allowed me to like make peace with so much of the difficult things that I've had to go through and really find that like one key message, one key lesson, whatever it was that I took out of that situation um, to look at it in a positive light. Because I think it's easy to look at things negatively and as horrible as they are, um, but it does take a bit of work to find that one thing that you gained from the shitty thing. So that's my answer there. <laughs> I love that. And I, you're making me think of, um, what is that when Glennon Doyle, she says, uh, she calls it the soccer on Twitter. <laughs> is that right? Um, yeah. It's so funny to me. It just, anytime she's talking about sports just cracks me up. Um, but I also really love what you're saying at the end and I, I I know that everything happens for a reason gets a tough rap with a lot of people but it's really just connecting like well saying like that everything's connected um and that there's there is continuity from the past and the things that we've been through to what happens next like there's causality there and I think that's important to recognize even when things are really really tough and yeah there's another quote i'm gonna mess it up it's uh it's like everything's going to be okay um the world is built on that or something along those lines um and you made me think of it because we do really like plan and build things for tomorrow or for the future and you have to believe that things are going to be okay, even when it's really, really hard, because we do that inherently. We just plan for the future. And sometimes we live too much in the future or too much in the past. But I think it's uh, it's important to recognize that continuity. So I'm glad you brought that up. Mm -hmm. But also, I think a big, just really quickly, like important part of that quote is allowing yourself to go through the emotions like you're allowed to be mad if something happens you're allowed to be sad you're allowed to question what this reason might be 
um, you hear this a lot with like grief and loss, like I didn't need to lose this person for whatever reason. And that is so, so valid. Um, But it's hard, especially when it comes to grief, but finding that one thing that you gained from a situation, that one thing, maybe it brought family closer together, like whatever it is, that that piece of hope or joy or optimism is really what keeps us going to build for the next day, like you were just saying. So mm-hmm. everything happens for a reason, but give yourself space to feel. You don't need to figure it all out right now. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you don't need to like attribute a reason to everything that happens especially Mm -hmm. like you said in the moment like in grief or in pain you don't have to sit there and be like oh I'm feeling pain right now so what's the reason for it (laughs) because that's of course like not (laughs) not how it works um not how it works at all um but when you do have yeah those moments to reflect like you said that one thing or finding where the joy is in your life like even if it's unrelated to that particular experience or what you're going through there's usually something going on that you can connect yourself to that's really really valuable and going to pull you forward so Mm -hmm. small things go a long way they really do they really really do (laughs) amazing well I know we are kind of running out of time a little bit um so depending on how much time you have I would love to do the kind of story generation live kind of idea I haven't actually tried it with anyone yet new idea so open to trying it out if you are let's do it okay amazing so let's see and amazing so I'm basically just going to attempt to kind of take you through those prompts and see what comes up and what we can generate for people listening Um, because I think some of these descriptors are going to be really interesting for people to hear you speak through Nice. Let's do it. Can I give like a quick trigger warning? It does involve like a darker time. So okay, just letting people know. Yeah. Perfect. Amazing. So to start off, where are you in this moment? Physical location, weather, inside, outside? Yeah. I am in my bed. Okay. And is it day, night, night night time okay and what time of year is it or kind of what's going on during this period of time it's winter um not much going on it's late at night Mm -hmm. okay and five senses right in that particular moment what do you see hear touch taste smell um So I see my parents sitting with me on my bed. Um, I hear them trying to get me out of bed. Um, Taste. I don't know. Not much. Dull. Same with smell. Mm -hmm. And touch like my sheets and my comforter. Okay. And you said you're not alone. So your parents are there. Is anybody else there? No. Okay. And what happened right before this particular moment? Um, I was in my bed for a while by myself. Um, but I was 
going through a really dark time. I was having a lot of suicidal thoughts. I was communicating a plan to my boyfriend at the time. Um, so I really just was not present. I was in a very dark headspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what is happening? So that was the right before. What is happening in as much or as little detail as you'd like is happening right in that moment. Yeah. So my parents had come into my room and told me that we had to go to the hospital. Um, and I was refusing. I did not want to go. But they had said that, you know, my my family was downstairs. If I didn't get up, they were going to have to call an ambulance. Um, and they didn't, they asked a question that looking back, they had said that, like, do you really want your brothers to see you get carried out on a stretcher tonight? Um, and that hit home for me because I was very close with my brothers and they were younger at the time. Um, so that kind of forced me to cooperate and get up and go with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, if anything, were, were you thinking as all that's happening? So whether or not you're speaking or not, and you know, you're hearing lots of things, I'm sure, but what was going through your mind? If you remember, I was terrified. I did not want to go. I was really scared of what would happen at the hospital, what my parents would think of me, what my family would think of me if they knew really like what was going on inside my mind. So I think I was very like resistant. Um, but also my mind was still in a very, very dark place. So I was kind of just like battling a ton of different emotions around how to navigate the situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so right after this moment, you went to the hospital, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And what, I guess, what was the propeller forward? So how does this kind of moment connect that darkest kind of segment into the mm-hmm. future and into hope and kind of what happened next? Yeah, so I say that this night was like the most traumatic night, but also the best night of my life. Um, so I went to the hospital, honestly, my hospital experience was not pleasant at all. It was not great with the caseworker I got. It was very difficult and emotional. Um, so I didn't like leave with anything great, but it really was the moment that my parents saw how much pain I was, I was in my siblings recognized like what mental illness was and what I was going through and the severity of like what my symptoms were um and ultimately like what kick-started my therapy and my medication journey so I think as horrible as that was it was like the first time I really allowed the people in my corner to see what was going on with me at that level um and it gave them the chance to support me like on this new healing journey that I was starting mm-hmm. yeah thank you for for sharing all of that and and those details. I know that's like picking a scab <laughs> in many ways. So thank you for being vulnerable. And those are absolutely, like you said, the most powerful moments of our lives when that connector happens between mm-hmm. our greatest pain 
and when we receive help or when the people in our lives recognize that we're in pain and help us get help. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's really, yeah, meaningful and powerful to reflect on that. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for giving me the space. I appreciate it. Um, But yeah, I absolutely agree. It's in those tough moments that hopefully good things happen. And that's another like everything happens for a reason thing in my mind. Um, It was the first time I like, I didn't tell anyone. I was kind of forced to tell someone, but let other people see like what I was going through and took me out of that like suffering and silence and handling everything Mm -hmm. on my own. So that was a really transformative shift for me. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm curious if you're comfortable sharing what what that experience was like to put words to some of those things and what the prompts that I asked and kind of, yeah, really like getting into the senses and like what that all felt like and to kind of recreate that for everybody listening. Difficult. Um, like you said, picking a scab, it's like a really uncomfortable situation. Um, and I actually don't think I've ever said the brother thing out loud because um, mm. I've been hesitant because, you know, like for my parents to say, do you really want your brothers to see you like this? I think that can be seen in a really negative light of like them kind of making me feel like obligated to go. Um, but given the relationship that I had with them, like that was the one motivating factor that got me out. It wasn't anything else they said. I, I was like, oh, shit. I can't let them see me like this. I have to go. Um, So I don't even know if they know that. Like, maybe I'll go talk to them after. But um, I think it's just, although difficult to relive those situations, it does, like, it kind of goes back to that, like, own pat on the back. Like, this is something you went through and look at you now. Um, Something you never thought you would make it out of. And now you're completely on the other side. So, yeah. Good, another good activity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you think so. And thank you again for, for getting into some of that. And, and yeah, definitely go, go talk to your <laughs> mothers because that's amazing that that came out and that you're able to share that today because clearly a very important piece of that moment and your journey and how it connects to today for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I guess just to wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to share with everyone listening? Our audience is primarily youth, um, but really can be any message or or anything that you would want to leave us with. Mm -hmm. I think like what all pieces of my story highlight is kind of just that like, if you're going through a difficult time, it's not the end. It's not your permanent situation. Kind of just emphasizing the ebbs and flows of life which is so hard to see in that moment but if you're going through a difficult time right now it's going to end eventually the the sun will come again and you'll start to feel better so if you can try to pick out those one pieces of joy whether it's like petting your dog or sipping a starbucks latte whatever it is for you just really try to absorb those good moments because they can go such a long way and help you get to that other side much quicker Mm-hmm. I love that. Uh, soaking all that in. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Braving the Waves and Bridging the Gap podcast. 
You can find much more information about this week's storyteller, resources, and related links in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, leave a review, and follow us on socials. And lastly, don't ever forget that you are unsinkable. Just being here, listening, helps you swim and keep your boat afloat. Thanks, everyone.